Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Thank you, Tangina. We come to the end of Galatians. I've been preaching through Galatians, and people are wondering what you're going to do the next four weeks. Well, you've got to come back and find out. But Paul has made such a point in Galatians. He's made such a difference between two approaches to salvation. One approach is human achievement. One approach says, look what I've done. One approach is, give me the list, and I'll do the best I can. In my flesh, in my human nature, somehow I'll get it together and hope to please God. That's one approach. The other approach is divine accomplishment. The other approach is about what Jesus did at the cross. The other approach is the cross is enough. You can add nothing to the cross. In fact, anything you try to add to the cross becomes an enemy of the cross. Got a bowl of fruit up here. Anybody have a bowl like this at your house? Well, not the bowl, but the stuff that's in the bowl. I grew up with uh, fruit that was either made out of wax or plastic or wood. Or wood. Now, we, other, we had the other kind, too. But this apple looks really good. Anybody want to take a bite? There's a problem with this apple. Number one, it's very light. And I guess it's made out of some type of plastic. If you eat this, it will not give you any nutritional value. (laughs) You know, if you're doing no carbs, low sugar, this is the apple for you. This pear, the grapes, they look good, but they're hard to eat. If you're, if you're trying to get a lot of fiber, maybe. But I don't recommend eating these. Here's the problem. If this is all you've ever had of fruit, and you see somebody else enjoying a nice, juicy apple, and you're thinking, why don't I experience that? When I crunch into this, there's not a smile on my face, and there's nothing dripping down my arm. That's what Paul's talking about. If you've come to salvation on your own, if you think somehow I'm going to do what I see other people doing and God's going to be okay with that, it's like eating plastic fruit. It's empty. There's no joy in it. You're just pretending to do something other people are doing and you're just waiting for the next list of rules. Give me ten steps. Give me three things. Whatever that is. But what Paul is saying is, why don't you eat the real thing? Why don't you come to faith the way God intended for you to come to faith? Not by keeping the law, which the law was from God, Old Testament. It was good. But the purpose of the law was this, to point to our need for a Savior. The purpose of the law was to bring us to the point where we realize, I cannot keep the law. I can't face God someday with a set of scales thinking, I hope I've done enough. There's good news. You don't have to face God that way. And so this morning... I want you to think about plastic fruit versus the real thing. And I hope at the end of the sermon, God's going to plant something in your brain so every time you see fruit, you're going to think about, I'm coming to Christ based on divine accomplishment, not human achievement. Let's read the end of Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 and following. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised. 
simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that you may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. I've said this before, but there's times in the book of Galatians, this six-chapter letter to the churches in the region of Galatia, there's times I think there's almost steam coming out of Paul's ears. Paul is angry for this reason. He had evangelized these churches. He had left them. He had gone on to other work. But these were his children. And somebody was messing with his children. And the primary focal group were, were the Judaizers. These were people who had been raised in the Jewish faith. Some of them had come to faith in Christ, but they just never felt like that was enough. The other group at work were the legitimate Jews, the ones who hadn't come to faith in Christ, and these Judaizers were trying to make these people look more like them, the Jews, than to look like Christ. In fact, they were kind of afraid of them because they were being persecuted because of their new faith in Christ. And so Paul picks up the pen himself and says, See with what large letters I'm writing with my own hand. Paul typically dictated his letters. The word in the Greek language was an amanuensis, basically a scribe, who would take dictation. And scholars debate whether he may have written the entire letter to the Galatians just out of urgency and speed, but he didn't write like a professional writer. He probably didn't even use the same form of lettering. He wrote more like a notice you're going to tack up on a wall as a public notice. And so whether he just picks the pen up in verse 11 or he's been writing the entire time, he basically says, this is me. This is the Apostle Paul. You can bank on the authenticity of this letter because I'm writing it with my own hand. And it may very well be that up to this point, the letter has been written by a professional writer. And now he says, check out the last few verses. I'm writing it with my own hands to prove to you this is me speaking, but also to show you the passion with which I'm approaching this issue that we're talking about. And then he gets right to it. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised. So the Judaizers have come in. They've infiltrated the church. The Apostle Paul's hearing about it, writing a letter to address the issue. And he said their primary motivation is the show. And who are they showing off for? Primarily, they're showing off for the Jews back in Jerusalem. He said they're trying to make a good showing. Why do we care about that? I've been around pastors and youth pastors. I was a youth pastor for a long time. You don't know this, but when preachers get together, you know what they talk about a lot? Numbers. How many you got coming to your church? How big is your church? How old is your sanctuary? How many will it seat? How many baptisms this year? That sounds a lot like this ecclesiastical showing that the Apostle Paul's talking about. They weren't talking about how big is your church. How many people got baptized last week? You know what they're talking about? How many of you circumcised? Because they wanted to be able to say to the Jews, listen, we realize we're kind of doing a new thing here, but we're still converting these people to Judaism. We're still getting them circumcised, so it's okay. 
they were putting on a show. And they were trying to force the Galatian believers to play along. They weren't concerned about pleasing God with inner righteousness. They were concerned about pleasing man with this outward show. In fact, early in Galatians, Paul said, Listen, if I was still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. I wouldn't be a follower of Jesus Christ if I just wanted to make everybody else happy. And so these people are trying to, by the show, by doing the religious thing, they thought this will please God and it will please those folks that are on our back. I read a quote by John MacArthur this week, and I want you to think about these words. Is there, is there anything wrong with liturgy? Is there anything wrong with ritual? The only thing that's wrong with it is when it becomes your goal to please God through it, and really you're trying to please yourself. It's good if you please God through it, but if it's really about the flesh, it's not good. Listen to this. Liturgies, rituals, and other prescribed religious acts and observances not only have no value in opposing the flesh, but are most often produced by the flesh in order to please the flesh. They give the flesh great satisfaction in making great displays of religious devotion. They require no heart righteousness or reliance on the Holy Spirit because they are strictly superficial. The most fleshly and ungodly person can learn to practice them with skill and feigned sincerity. If it's all about the show, anybody can do the show. And Paul's saying that's their motivation. They're trying to have you circumcised because they desire to make a good showing. In fact, it's simply so they won't be persecuted. The word persecuted literally means to make you flee, to pursue in such a way that you've got to run. Paul had done that back when he went by the name Saul. Saul was a Jew among Jews, and he literally left Jerusalem with letters from the high priest, and he would chase people into other cities and drag them back to Jerusalem and put them in jail, and at least one, Stephen, put to death by stoning. So that's Paul. He knew that. But he's saying because they're so afraid of being persecuted, they're so afraid of what other people are going to think, that they're trying to compel you to do something you don't need to do. They're trying to make it a vital key component of the Christian faith, and it is not. Because they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. It's amazing to me in Acts chapter 5, verses 29 and following, where the high priest and the council, the Sanhedrin, have come to the disciples, and they basically said, y'all got to quit preaching this gospel. Just stop. And Peter says, well, you decide for yourself whether it's right or not, but we can't quit telling people about what Jesus has done. This Jesus, whom God sent to save us, you put to death. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 33, it says, they were cut to the quick. Literally, they started ripping their clothes because they're in mourning over this. It cut them. Why is that? It's because the religious people of that day wanted a Messiah that would come in and deliver them from an oppressor. They didn't want a Savior that would come and deliver them from sin. Big difference. And so they had the wrong reason for boasting. In fact, he said, those folks who are trying to get you to keep this law of circumcision, they're not even keeping the law themselves. But they desire to you to be circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. Literally, they want to be able to brag on you. Look what we've accomplished here at these churches in this region called Galatia. Well, what's the right reason for boasting? That's Paul. 
Paul says all that, and then we get to verse 14. He says, may it never be, literally God forbid, that I would boast in anything other than what? The cross of Christ. And Paul, other places, said, you know what? If you want to, if you want to talk about spiritual resumes, you want to talk about religious resumes, I got the, I got the resume. I'm a Jew among Jews, member of the Sanhedrin. All of these things as to the law, perfect. And Paul says, you know what? I consider that rubbish now. It's trash. And what I boast in, I boast in the cross. When he looked at the cross, he said, that's what I boast in. Why? Because the cross is what made the difference in his life. That's where Christ was crucified to pay the penalty of his sin. But Paul also saw that's where I joined Christ in crucifixion. And this human nature, this flesh that everybody else is trying to feed, I've put it to death at the cross. So Paul said, that's where I will boast. That's where I will glory because the world's been crucified to me. You're going to struggle with this whole concept if you're still enamored with the world. If you still want the stuff of this world then the cross is going to be an issue for you because it's, a, it's an instrument of death. It's where Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. But it's also where Paul says our flesh needs to remain crucified at the cross. Quit taking it down off the cross. Let it be dead. The world should be dead to you and you to the world. And he said, you know what? Listen, circumcision isn't anything. Had Paul been circumcised? Yeah. How do we know that? He was a Jew. And Paul was okay with some Jews being circumcised. But Paul said, it's not essential. It's not what you've got to do to have eternal life. It's not something you've got to add to the finished work of Christ at the cross. And so it's nothing, neither is uncircumcision. Paul said, it's not about that. It's about the cross. And that was his singular focus. And then I love this word in verse 15. It's not about circumcision. It's not about uncircumcision. It's about a new creation a new creation fresh recently made new creation second corinthians five seventeen. same author paul said this therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creature the old things passed away behold new things have come that's paul's words and here's what we've got to understand folks listen for the Judaizers, it was about the old stuff. It's about nothing in me is really changing. I'm just going to start some new behavior. A new creation is not a remodeling job. It's not some exterior cleaning. It's not new paint. It's not a restoration project. It's brand new. And so if you're in Christ, if you're a child of God, come to faith in Christ, you're a new creation. God didn't look down and say, let's clean that up, bring me some Ajax. He said, I'm going to recreate it, not restore it. I'm going to recreate it. Anybody remember being brand new? Of course not. I mean brand new physically. You probably don't remember a lot about your birth, but I've watched four children be born. And when they place a child in your arms as a father, and you look into the eyes of that child, you're immediately in love. I love this child. Why? My first child was a daughter. She never done anything for me. In fact, the first year she knew it was Father's Day, you know what she said? Dad, this year for Father's Day, I want a bicycle. I thought, 
wait a minute, Father's Day is when you're supposed to get something for me. She was brand new. And why did I love her? Because she was mine. Folks, here's why God loves you. You're His. He doesn't love you because of your past deeds. And He doesn't love you because of your future deeds. He loves you in spite of your past. And when you trust Him as Lord and Savior, you're a new creation. What does that mean about all the stuff in your past? It's gone. As far as God is concerned, it has been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. Who keeps reminding you of that stuff? Satan and you. Satan loves to throw that back up to us. Oh, listen, God doesn't love you. You think of all the stuff you've done. I've said this a hundred times in this building probably. But the next time Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. You're a child of God, a joint heir with Christ, a child of the King. And what God has made new is new. It has no past. You're brand new. You're a new creation. So Paul says, I'm not going to glory in some cutting of my flesh. I glory in what happened at the cross. New creation. Because of that, just a couple of thoughts. The wrath of God will not be poured out on me. There's coming a day when the wrath of God will be poured out. And because I'm a child of God, it won't be poured out on me. I'm united to Christ. I'm dead to this world. I'm a new creation. Last thing, just these last three verses, is really Paul's closing statement. And honestly, Paul's other letters has a lot more salutation at the end of the letter. He's got very little. But if you think about it, this is the last three verses. It's important. And so Paul is basically saying those who will walk by this standard, those who are marked out by this rank, this boundary, this prescribed range of action, who's he talking to? Those who will walk this way? Well, he's talking to anybody in Galatia. He's saying, listen, anybody that wants to follow Christ, then i got something to say to you. But he's not just talking to people in Galatia. He's talking to you. Paul's saying anyone who will walk this way, anybody who becomes a follower of Christ, brand new creation, got some good news for you. Peace and mercy be upon them. Peace. Literally tranquility. Or that kind of peace where you realize there's nothing between me and God anymore. I've been made right with God. We're not enemies anymore. He's my God. I'm His child. Peace. And then mercy. Mercy is really more than compassion. My favorite definition of mercy is not receiving what I deserve. If you're driving 100 miles an hour through a 25-mile-an-hour school zone and you get taken up before the judge, here's what you're not going to say. I demand justice. (laughs) Why? Because justice is you can't drive again for the rest of your life. What do we say? I'm throwing myself on the mercy of the court. What are we saying? Judge, give me something I don't deserve. Don't treat me like I do deserve. Give me mercy. And so Paul's saying, for those who are in Christ, your new creation, you now become a follower of Christ. You're walking according to this standard. Peace upon you. And mercy, those are two good words. And Paul says, you're now the new Israel of God. The Jews pointed back to the fact they were children of Abraham. Paul's already addressed that earlier in Galatia. 
Elsewhere, he said, Jesus even said, listen, I can raise up children of Abraham out of these stones. So if that's the truth, there's good news for us. We're children of Abraham not because of something external, but something that has happened internal. Romans 2, 28 and 29 says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So in the same way that God said, these are my chosen people, you're now part of the nation of Israel based on faith in Jesus Christ. You're the new Israel of God. And Paul says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. These people that want to run me down in your presence, let me tell you something. I bear in my body the brand marks of Christ. Paul had been beaten. The Roman law was you could be you could be whipped 39 times because they thought the 40th one would kill you, so it was 40 less one, 39. He had, that had happened to him three times. He had been stoned and left for dead. They drug him out of the city and thought he was dead, presumed that he was dead. And it, it left marks all over his body. Paul said, listen, you don't have to question my allegiance to the cross and my allegiance to Christ. Just look at my arms. Look at my back. Look at my face. I've been beaten to the point of death. And then last he says these great words. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. So be it. Let it be. Grace. Peace and mercy upon you. And lastly, grace. In the same way that mercy is not receiving what you do deserve, grace is receiving something you don't deserve. People struggle with grace in our culture. People struggle with getting something they didn't work for. Well, some people do. <laughs> I've played golf with people before, and I've told them, hey, pick it up. It's a gimme, you know, last putt. I don't deserve it. I said, I know, it's grace. I don't deserve it. Exactly. You got it. That's the point. You don't deserve it. And that's the great thing about what Paul's preaching through the book of Galatians. You've got two choices for salvation. You can do it man's way, man-centered, reliance on your flesh, hope that maybe you can clean up your human nature enough to face God someday and say, hey, I got more good than bad. But you're eating plastic fruit. Or you can do it God's way, divine achievement. Become a follower of Jesus Christ and receive mercy and grace. You come dead to the cross. And you live that way the rest of your life. Yeah, God's got work for you to do. God's got a plan for your life. And it's not just to sit around and do nothing. But we do things now because we are loved. Not so that we will be. A couple of thoughts as I close. Just I thought about how do I, how do I put some of this thought in human life. You know, most people, you're probably not going to have people walk up to you, hey, I heard you became a Christian. Have you been circumcised yet? Probably not going to happen in this culture, especially for girls. If you don't understand that, your youth pastor will do a seminar on that later today. But here's what I hear the false teachers, false teaching I hear today. Just be a good person. And I've kind of heard people, I've talked to people about their relationship with Christ, and I've had somebody say to me, well, you know, I'm a good person. And, and implied in that is, I don't need God. I'm a good person. Well, bless your heart. 
Do some religious acts. Here, here's some few things. If you just do this, you'll be all right with God. Here's one I love. You're basically a good person. In fact, I've had somebody say this. Left alone, man ten, has a tendency to do the right thing. Really? They've never had children. Nobody had to teach my boys to pull their sister's hair. Nobody had to teach my daughters to hide their brother's toys. They inherited that from their mother. No. Anybody knows my wife knows that's not true. It's your fault. You're not basically a good person. I've had some, in fact, this kind of comes close to what one TV preacher is. There's a God within you. Just let him out. There is a God within you. His name is the devil. And the way you get him out is come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's not something good within you. We're born into sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who does that apply to? Everybody in this room. You're like, you don't know me. You don't know me. But the good news is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's grace. We don't deserve God, but because he loved us, he demonstrated his love toward us. And even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your peace, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you that because of Christ, because of his death on the cross, we can be right with you. And have a relationship with you that's eternal. Thank you for your mercy that we hadn't received what we deserved. Because we deserved the cross. And thank you for your grace. God, I pray the next time we look at a bowl of fruit. We'll say, hey, I ain't eating the plastic. I'm not doing this man's way. Not in my flesh. But I'm doing it God's way because of the cross. Thank you for that truth. Christ's name.